You're listening to Talk Talk. In this edition of Talk Talk, we will have a look at the scientific method. What are the, what are the steps involved? Listen to find out. One of the goals of science is to explain the phenomena of the natural world in an objective and in an unbiased manner. Different people perceive the world differently because they have different educational backgrounds and also different cultural backgrounds. For some people, a glass of water is half full, for others it is half empty, and still for others it's just a glass of water. Different people perceive and interpret reality differently. Now, if we want to reach an objective description of our world, then we need to reduce these subjective influences. We need standardized procedures for gaining further knowledge of our world. The scientific method tries to eliminate these subjective influences. It also sets a standard on how further knowledge should be gained in the natural sciences in the first place. Most of us are using the scientific method in our everyday life without being consciously aware of it. In the following few minutes, I would like to give you an overview of the different steps of the scientific method and I would also like to base it on an everyday example. Imagine that you want to start your car in the morning to drive to work and that the car refuses to start. Step 1. Observation. You turn the key of the car and realize that the car does not start. Maybe you hear a short sound of the turning starter motor, but the sound dies off immediately and the car is quiet again. You also realize that the car radio stops to work and that the headlights dim when you turn the key. This is the observation stage. You objectively try to observe how your car behaves. Step 2. Hypothesis. You are under time pressure and you need to leave. You now need to isolate the problem and find a solution very quickly. Are you out of fuel? Is the temperature too cold for the engine to start? Did a fuse break? Or is the battery dead? Could it be a mechanical problem with the engine? Well, there are many possibilities here why the car does not start, and this is not the time for wild guessing. We need to eliminate the options. The car was refueled yesterday, so the missing gasoline is not a problem. Is it a broken fuse? Well, in this case, the whole electrical system would probably not work, and there would be no sound at all. Can we exclude a mechanical problem? Well, it's possible that the engine is broken, but it worked before and there was no indication of an engine failure. Maybe for whatever reason the battery of the car is empty. Maybe we should start looking here first. A hypothesis is an educated guess and not a wild guess. There should be a good reason for choosing a particular hypothesis. We now continue with step 3, which is the experiment. You now test the hypothesis by conducting an experiment. You think that the battery is dead, so you exchange the battery or you use the battery of another car to get the engine working. This experiment will either prove your hypothesis correct or it will prove it wrong. We'll see. Step number four is the conclusion. If your hypothesis was proven correct, if the car works, then you can conclude that the next time when your car starts to act up in a similar way, you know where to start looking for the problem. If you repeatedly prove the hypothesis correct, and when there is a consistency in your results, then the hypothesis becomes a theory. The theory is, 
Every time when your car does not start, then the battery is broken. Step number five, you have to repeat the steps of the scientific method. I can imagine quite well that you're not satisfied with the theory that I just told you. How can we generalize so much and say that it's always the battery that's at fault? But this is what scientific theories are, they're generalized laws. Maybe the next time your car has another problem. In this case, you must adjust your theory. And the old theory is falsified or proven false. What I mean to say here is, is that the scientific method is an iterative, acyclical process. We do not go through the steps of the scientific method once, and then that's it, and we have the final truth. We keep on testing and retesting the theory. Sooner or later, the theory will not work anymore, and it is time to look for better theory. Here's an example of a more refined theory. Every time when the temperature is too cold, then the battery breaks down. But even this theory will be proven wrong sometime in the future. Maybe the next time you're out of gasoline, you never know what's possible. Now, is the scientific method itself a scientific theory? Is it possible to experimentally check if the scientific method actually works? Well, of course not. The scientific method is an agreement, it's an international consensus on how further knowledge is gained in the natural sciences. It is a structured problem-solving approach, but it is not a scientific theory in itself. You cannot use the scientific method to test the scientific method. You are not allowed to go in circles like that. The scientific method is above or beyond the hypothesis, the observations and the experiments that it deals with. The scientific method is above or beyond science itself. The scientific method belongs to meta-science. And I would like uh, to conclude this edition with a little quote. I like Albert Einstein's quotes a lot, so I have chosen another one of his quotes. And he said the following. When the number of factors coming into play in a phenomenological complex is too large, scientific method in most cases fails. One need only think of the weather in which case the prediction even for a few days ahead is impossible. It's very interesting for me to see that Albert Einstein, one of the most renowned scientists, has found now an example where the scientific method does not work or cannot be applied. You can listen to more episodes at www.toktalk.net That's www.toktalk.net My name is Oliver Kim. And I wish you a nice day.